We're doing good. You guys are the, the ones that set your alarm clocks this morning, or maybe you have kids that woke you up in time to be here this morning. But we made it to that spring forward this morning, right? Who loves spring forward in here? We got some hands up. Come on. Who doesn't like spring forward in here? Yeah, we got, so we got more hands, I think, with the, the not happy spring forward. Well, of course, you know, it's always funny how it works out. Like, my kids always get up early. Not early as some kids, but my kids always get up early. And, of course, this morning when we have to be up and going, are my kids awake? No. They're like, oh, this morning's a great morning to sleep in, Dad. Like, we don't want to get up. I'm like, 365 days of the year, you pick the one day out of 365 days to, like, I don't want to get up. So... I encourage them this afternoon when we go home just that they can have a nap and just rest, you know, and of course, I don't think that's going to go over too well, but anyways, just bless them, right? So this morning, I'm, I'm speaking on perseverance and determination, okay? I've got a personal training background. I've been a personal trainer for, for many years, uh, so perseverance and determination is something that is deep inside my heart because I loved... I'm going to say yelling at my clients to keep going, don't give up. Uh, a lot of you guys who know me know I'm extremely nice and probably like, Adam, you couldn't yell if you really tried. Uh, but there is like, you know, when I put my trainer's hat on, it was just a different story. <laughs> no, I'm pretty nice. Right? Yeah. Good. Yeah, I got to put those in while Melissa's not up here. All right, so another thing with perseverance, as Canadians, we should be really good with dealing with perseverance, shouldn't we? Because of our good old Canadian winters, right? We, we preserve through these Canadian winters, these long months of cold weather, so we should, as Canadians should have this down pat, right? Right? Come on. All right, so who in here knows Disney, Walt Disney? Not know him personally, obviously, but know of the name, Disney. Okay, so I thought it would be good to start off with a couple of stories of some people who went through hard things before they succeeded. Okay, so Disney, if you don't know his story, in 1919, he got fired from his job from his editor at the Kansas City City Star paper because he lacked imagination and he had no good ideas. Yeah. 1919, Disney got fired from his job at the paper because he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. His first job after that went bankrupt. And who did Disney, Walt Disney become, right? Right? Disney. Okay. Dr. Zeus, I never knew this one until I looked it up, but Dr. Zeus went to publish his first book and he had 27 different publishers reject his first book. Michael Jordan, anyways, probably known as one of the best basketball players of all time, okay, got kicked off his high school basketball team. I, I, I knew this for a long time because like, I played a lot of basketball when I was in high school. So my coach liked to use Michael Jordan as an example, right? But Michael Jordan, probably one of the greatest basketball players, if not the greatest basketball player of all time, got kicked off his high school basketball team. And I'm going to mention this later because it's so good. But if he would have given up, right? If Dr. Zeus would have given up, if Walt Disney would have given up, where would they be today, right? Or where would, 
where would society be today without some of these heroes, you know, so to speak? You guys are still with me? Yeah? We're awake? Come on. I got to get you guys talking to me, all right? Okay. Come on. Thank you. Wives are so good, aren't they? They're so encouraging. Until I go home and it's like, clean this, clean that. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I can say it when I got a microphone in my hand. Oh, Father, we just thank you for this. I got to bring it back to some prayer now. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for our humble hearts, Jesus. And we just pray. We just thank you that you are fun and love to see us laugh, Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so Acts 16, chapter 16. Uh, you can read the whole story at home. It goes from 16 all the way to 40. Uh, we're going to read part of it. Uh, we're going to start off paraphrasing it for you guys, okay? So chapter 16, it's Paul and Silas. They are going out, walking. They're going to the temple, and there's a servant girl who keeps heckling them. She follows them, you know, just far enough behind so they can hear, they can see what's going on, right? But she's really giving Paul and Silas this hard time right? For multiple days, she's just kind of ripping into them, you know, who are they, like, who's God, right? All these kind of things, right? And then, forget which first number it is, but anyways, Paul's less like, he gets greatly annoyed, and he's just like, I've had enough of this. And he commands the demon in her to get out. Come on, right? Get out, right? We have the authority just to command that, get out, and so this demon, obviously under the authority of Jesus, leaves, right? The servant girl's master sees this, gets really mad because all of a sudden his prophet, his money-making girl here is no longer going to be making him any money. So gets really mad, really upset, drags Paul and Silas into the town square, kind of thing like that, and does what? He gets them severely beaten, okay? Gets them beaten, gets them thrown in prison, and just as a side note, I think a lot of times when we're doing things for, for Jesus, right, we're doing things for the gospel, we're like, we're untouchable, right? We're like, yep, God's going to protect me. I'm good to go. I can do everything and anything because I'm doing it all for Jesus, right? But just because we're doing it doesn't mean that bad things doesn't happen sometimes, right? Okay, that's just a side note. Um, but as we step out in greater faith, very often we, we are prone to have greater resistance, okay? So this is one you can jot down. As we step out in greater faith, very often brings greater resistance, okay? So now we're going to read verses 23 to 30. I'm just going to bring it up here. Okay. So if you've got your Bibles, verse 23... After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. But when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison was shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up 
and he saw that the prison doors open. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Verse 28, but Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called the lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And if you know the rest of that story, you know, the jailer and his whole family come to Jesus. Amen? All right. So they're thrown in prison right in the inner cell, right? They're in that place where all the bad, the worst of the worst are, okay? Their feet are locked up. And something that I kind of forget when I've read this several times is that they've just been severely beaten, how do, you think their, how do you think their hearts feel right now? How do you think their minds are right now? Might not be too good, right? I'm sure they kind of didn't wake up that morning thinking like, oh, t- today is going to be a good day to be thrown in prison, to get beaten, right? Probably didn't wake up thinking like, this is going to be a good day for that, right? I think it would be a fair thing to think like, you know, they might be struggling a little bit, don't you think? Might have been struggling a little bit at, you know, certain times that like, God, like what is going on, right? We're stepping out here, we're praying for people, we're preaching the gospel. Like, why? What are you doing right now? So, I love it. Midnight rolls around, late at night that rolls around. They're praying, they're worshiping. And the part that always encourages me is that all the, other, all the other prisoners are what? They're listening, right? And so to encourage you, you want to be a good witness for Jesus, and you're like, you know, I may not be like the most evangelistic person, but when you're going through those trials, when you're going through those storms, where's our attitude at? Where's our attitude at when we're going through those trials? You want to be a good witness for Jesus, just to encourage you this morning is to check your attitude, okay? Sounds a little harsh almost, but I mean in a very loving way. But people tend to watch, right? When they know you love Jesus, when they know you're a Christian, they're like, how do you handle those situations, right? How do you handle being thrown into these trials? Because if your God was real, like, wouldn't he protect you from all those kind of things? Like, would God, if God was real, wouldn't, would he allow you to go through all those hard times, right? And we're like, I don't know, like, I know God's real, but like, I don't get it, right? And that's okay that we don't get it, but what can we do in those situations? We praise him all the louder, right? That's when you shout amen. You praise him all the louder. When you're going through those trials, you make sure everybody around you Not that you're doing it for that reaction, but you make sure everybody around you knows no matter what I go through, no matter what trial I go through, Jesus is the best decision I've ever made in my life. Accepting Jesus into my life is the best decision I've ever made into my life. So no matter what, no matter what trial, no matter what hard fall comes my way, I am going to praise him all the louder. When I don't understand what's going on, I don't care. God knows. I don't need to know, but he does, and I'm just going to worship him. I'm going to give it to him, and I'm just going to praise him all the louder, okay? So 
as we persevere through those hard times, it opens a door for the supernatural. Okay? Paul and Silas, if they weren't worshiping in that jail cell, if they weren't praying, quite possibly that supernatural earthquake maybe never would have happened. Right? But because they persevered, because they checked their attitude, and because they were just like, God, we're just going to worship you, it opened a door for a miracle. Right? And it's, I, I find it awesome that all the prisoners stayed right where they were. Right? Because, again, you're thinking, okay, this is the inner prison, right? It's just like freedom. Right? The worst of the worst is in this inner prison. Be like, this is freedom. Like, I'm taking off. But everybody stayed right there. Okay? And then that's when that another supernatural thing happened. Jailer gives his life to Jesus, and then the whole family comes to the Lord. So you could pretty much ask any kind of church planner, uh, does anybody have their own business here? I know a few people in here has, have their own businesses. And you can ask them as well, does it take perseverance to own your own business? Is it a cakewalk every single day? No, right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Ask any church planner, is it a cakewalk to plant a church? Definitely not, right? Even in your own lives, obviously not planting a church, not having your own business. Is you know, everything handed to you on a silver spoon? No. Parents, do you have to persist? Show perseverance every single day. I think sometimes it takes everything we have just to make it through certain days, right? Come on. All right, James. Um, James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. I'm going to read it out for you guys. It says, My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. So greatest joy, endure all things, okay? So if you have a highlighter, you like to highlight your Bible, highlight those words. Those are like key words for you. Greatest joy, endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. So greatest joy, endure all things, nothing missing. I uh, used to kind of hate that verse because I like to, me being Adam, me being a man, maybe I was like, I like to feel sorry for myself. You know, I like it when I'm like, going through hard times, be like, I just kind of want to sit here and think, you know, I have the right to feel sorry for myself. I have the right to wallow in my pain. I want everybody else to feel sorry for me. Okay? So I kind of like didn't pay attention to this verse almost. Kind of like, yeah, I just like to feel sorry for myself. Can you guys relate to that? Or is it just me? Okay. <laughs> you guys are so encouraging today. I love it. But, you know, Obviously, it's such an encouraging verse, right? Because God calls us out of our complaining and he calls us into thankfulness, right? That verse, he calls us out of complaining and he calls us into something. He calls us into thankfulness, right? Is it easy? You know, if we want to be real here this morning, is it easy? No, it's not, right? It takes 
persistence, right? It takes that determination to take that verse and be like, okay, I'm going to have great joy in this trial. Am I going to have it all the time? Again, if we're being real, for most of us, probably not, right? But God, this is a promise, and I'm going to declare that promise, God, and I'm going to renew my mind each and every day and be like, okay, God, I'm going to take joy this morning because you've called me to take joy in my trials, take joy in my difficulties. Do I understand it? Maybe not, right? Right today, maybe I don't understand it. Five years down the road, ten years down the road, maybe then we'll understand it. Okay? This verse calls us out of fear, and it calls us into perfect love as well, because we're going to lack nothing, right? Perfect love casts out all fear, right? A lot of trials we go to, Fear is a dominant feeling that we have when we're going through those trials, right? And perfect love casts out all fear. I've read um, some past revivalist books several times. God's Generals, I've read it a couple of times. Has anybody read God Generals here? Really good book. You know, can't help but read that book, but not get more hungry for more of God. But at the same time, it's also can be a very heartbreaking book because a lot of the, the revivalists back in the day, a lot of them finished really poorly, right? Um, so again, it really, first time I wrote it, it really broke my heart just reading how a lot of these revivalists ended their lives. Uh, but again, there's a lot of encouragement in there. There's a lot of like, let's go for it. Let's get on fire for the Holy Spirit. So the name Amy Semple McPherson, if you've read the book or, you know, past revivals, that name will be familiar. Catherine Coleman, I know Carl back here, he's been in one of Catherine Coleman's meetings. Like, come on, that's amazing. Um, you know, those women went through crazy amounts of prosecution, right? Persecution, not prosecution, persecution. I heard somebody correct me, thank you. Um, you know, for lots of different reasons, right? They were stepping out, there were women uh, in leading in ministry, right? So right there, you know, there's a, a red light for a lot of people that's like, oh, women can't lead ministries. Like, that's just wrong, right? But these women were doing it, you know, and God was moving so strongly in their ministries, right? But they had to pay a price for that. They went through crazy persecution for stepping out in faith, for taking a risk. They stepped out, but then they had a lot of persecution. John Alexander Dowie, he was a a healing kind of revivalist back in like the late 1800s. Um, one of the, his stories that I, that was just like kind of blew me away was there's a gang where he was and this gang planted a bomb in his office where he was working. And so it was late at night, he was sitting there working and he felt like the Holy Spirit's like, go home now. And so he got up and went home. And I don't know if he received a phone call or if he was close enough to where his office was, but right when he got in, a bomb went off in his office. And so, again, another person going through crazy things. And it's, you know, again, it's easy for me to be like, oh, you know, you just kind of read it at face value. But when you actually think about it, it's just like these people's lives were on the line, right? For the gospel, for stepping out, for risking something that they knew was right. Okay? William Seymour, he's... Um, African-American pastor, preacher, uh, that started the Azusa Revivalist, Revival. And when he first started, he started preaching on the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but he, hasn't, he hadn't experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit yet. And so as he was starting to preach it, uh, one church in particular 
locked him out. They padlocked their door and wouldn't let him come in because he was stepping out in something that he has not yet received, right? But he could have just been like, God, all right, this is just too difficult. I'm not going to do it. Amy Semple McPherson, again, crazy persecution, be like, yeah, I'm not going to persist through this, right? All those heroes of the faith, you know, they could have stopped, right, because things were hard. But because they persisted, because they went through those trials, what was the fruit that came out of it? Greater than we could ever imagine, right? So perseverance, when you step into it, something that you know, or sorry, I'm going to change this. This is a Bill Johnson quote here. It takes a lot of courage to preach something that you haven't yet experienced, but you know it's true. So I'm going to say that one more time. It takes a lot of courage to preach something that you haven't yet experienced, but you know it's true. It takes perseverance to step into something that you know is true, but you haven't had the breakthrough yet. Amen? All right, another verse. We got lots of verses this morning. Mark 5, verses 25 to 34. Um, I'm going to paraphrase it for the time. So if you know me, I love healing. I'm going to bring up lots of stories with healing in it, okay? So Mark 5, 25, it's about the woman who's been having, who's bleeding, been bleeding for 12 years, okay? She hears that Jesus is coming in. She's like, I just got to touch Jesus. She touches his robe, right? And she receives her miracle, okay? Um, but the point is actually, no, I feel like we should read it. I'm indecisive. <laughs> That's right, thank you. So verse 25, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Verse 30, at once Jesus realized that the power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you? His disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? Verse 32, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So, thinking about her story, 12 years she's been having this, this issue, right? 12 years of constant bleeding, spent everything she's had in hopes that she's going to get better, right? But what happened? Did she get better? No, she's gotten worse. 12 years is a long, long time, okay? I would think after 12 years, her hope has got to be rock bottom, right? You spent all your money being like, okay, I'm going to get better, right? Every dollar you spend, yes, this is the time I'm going to get better. I'm going to get better just to have what? Just to get worse. Your hope level's got to be low here, right? 
She's an outcast because she's bleeding, right? The laws, so she's been an outcast for a long time. You know, to bring it back, what I said earlier, she hadn't, she hadn't experienced her healing, but she knew if she only touched Jesus, she would experience her, her breakthrough, okay? So something she hasn't experienced yet, but she knew because she knew who Jesus was that all I got to do is touch him and then I'm going to receive it, okay? Our perseverance, I'm going to say this a lot, our perseverance opens the doors to miracles. As she pressed in and risked, she risked a lot here, right? Because she's an outcast. If she was discovered, if people would have found out, they would have probably stoned her, okay? But she would have been so desperate. She would have heard the testimonies of Jesus. She would have heard those testimonies of miracle after miracle and been like, he's worth it. This is worth it. I'm going to give everything I have at that point. And she's like, she's giving up her life in a sense to be like, I am going to press in. I'm going to press in through that crowd and I am going to reach out and touch Jesus. So again, as a lot of you probably know, I'm passionate about healing, right? And I would love to stand up here and say, that when I pray for people, 100% of everybody gets healed. But to be totally honest with you, probably very few at this point have been healed. I don't know how many people I prayed for at this point. I prayed for enough to be like, have some insecurities like with continuing to do it. Uh, I have a lot better um, record when I preach a message on healing and let other people pray for healing. I see a lot more people healed when I let that happen. Uh, than if I'm out just like, you know, praying for somebody to be healed, right? So it's a constant battle to be like, I am going to persevere. I'm going to have the determination to pray for it. Because I know God's heart is to heal every person, right? I know it's a calling that we've been called to do is to go out and pray for the sick, heal the sick, it says. So even those days when it's just like, God, I'm just too afraid to, to step out and do it. I'm too afraid to, to give that word. It's a lot better if like everybody else prays. Everybody else takes that risk and, and pray for those people. So that's just my own story. That's my own perseverance of, you know, each and every day I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm going to be open to what you want to do. You know, and, and I prayed a risky prayer a few weeks ago. I was just like, you know, Holy Spirit, if you give me a word, I'm not going to let fear hold me back and not give it. Holy Spirit, I want to give every word that you give to me. Why? Because I know who you are. Obviously, I'm still learning, right? But it's that confidence in knowing who he is that allows us to persevere in our trials. Without knowing who he is, without knowing who I am, you know, honestly, I probably would have given up a long time ago. After the first couple of times, we've been like, yeah, I probably look like, I would feel like I look like an idiot because I'm praying for these people and nobody's getting healed, so I'm just going to stop because I don't want to look like a fool, right? I want to look good in front of everybody. I want to sound intelligent in front of everybody. I want people to think, like, yeah, Adam is such an anointed person. He's, like, just going for it. So the smart thing, Adam, would be just to step back and let everybody else do the risky business. But because I know who I am in Jesus, because I know the Father's heart, you know, we can step out and risk it all, okay? 
we can step out and risk it all. And to be honest, I wasn't sure if I was going to use that term to risk it all because I didn't want to get an email with somebody saying, like, Adam, you said risk it all, so I risked it all. And what I wanted to happen never happens. So pray about it. Okay, I'm going to give you just a word to pray about it, pray into it. Just don't be like, Adam, you told me to do it, so I did it. Okay? Thank you. <laughs> Todd White has this great quote. He's like, what if I prayed and no one gets healed? And he says, what if you pray and they do? I was like, oh, man, Todd White, come on. That's one of the dilemmas, right? What if I step out and risk it and nothing happens? What happens if I step out and I just go for it because I feel it in my heart, I feel it in my spirit? What happens if I go for it but nothing happens? But what happens if you step out and it does, right? It's a challenge, and it's just like that excites me to step out and go for it because, again, to bring it back, when you know the Father, you know your, get your identity from Him, you know that even if I mess up, I'm still loved, right? If I screw up, if nobody gets healed, you know, at least they're going to feel encouraged, you know? My biggest thing, if I pray for somebody, I'm terrified, but at least if I pray for them, at least they're going to be encouraged. Even if they don't receive their healing right there on the spot, they're going to be encouraged. Okay? And that obviously goes far beyond just healing. It goes for any part in our life, right? If you step out and risk it, what's the fruit that can come from it? Okay? So perseverance is risky. Okay? It takes a lot of risk to, to persevere because you're putting your heart out there, you're putting yourself out there, and for a lot of us, that's a scary thing. Randy Clark here, he says, a person's level of risk tends to correspond with their level of faith. A person's level of risk tends to correspond with their level of faith. So this morning, I really felt like, you know, God's encouraging us to, to press in towards him. You know, if we want to persevere in our life, we need to have, a, we need to know the purpose, okay? In 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 26, um, I have it written down somewhere. Maybe I don't. Yes, I do. Um, verse 24 to 26, it says, Do you not know that a race, that in a race, all the runners run? but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as you get the prize. Everyone who completes in the race or in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Verse 26, therefore I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. There has to be a purpose. You know, if I'm going to go out for a run outside, I'm going to find out pretty quickly that it's just not that fun, right? If I have no purpose for doing it, you're going to find out pretty quickly that running is just, you know, it's not that fun, right? But if I'm running because I want to be healthier, if I'm running because I want to clear my head, right? 
then all of a sudden there's a purpose behind why I'm hopping on that treadmill, behind why I'm going outside. There's a purpose to it when I'm starting to get tired, when my legs are getting sore, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I just want to stop running right now. I think of all that trifle that I want to eat, so therefore I got to keep running, right? I need to burn those calories so I can eat that delicious trifle that my daughter keeps making, okay? There's got to be a purpose of why we're persisting, okay? If we don't know why, then chances are we're not going to show perseverance, okay? Paul and Silas, to bring it back to them, they knew why and they knew who. They knew their authority in Jesus, okay? So one of those key things to show perseverance is to know who you are. They knew their authority in Jesus. They knew that as they commanded that demon to leave in the name of Jesus, they knew it was going to happen, right? And the why they knew that together, we praise him in that jail cell. We knew that we're just going to give it all up to him, right? We're going to bring more glory to his name. The girl who got healed, again, she just risked it all, right? She's like, if I don't do this, what's the rest of my life going to be? What's the rest of my life going to look like, right? It wouldn't be a life worth living, maybe. Okay, and then also to bring it back to First James, our character grows as we step out, right? Our character grows as we go through trials. It's when we go through those difficult times, we take joy in them because of a growing period. God is raising us up into something bigger. Okay, you're going to hear that several times and maybe have, but as you're going through trials, God is raising you up for something bigger. Not only is he raising you up into something bigger, but he's raising you up into something as well. Okay? So tell this person beside you, God is raising you up into something. Yeah, and nobody's beside you, just shout it out. God is raising you up into something. God is raising you up into something bigger. He's preparing you for something. My guitar player just left. <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to persevere through it, okay? I just forgive Melissa right now. I'm going to invite you guys to, to stand up. We're going to pray. I'm going to talk as we pray. So I just invite you guys just to close your eyes right now. Just come, Holy Spirit. Just come right now, Holy Spirit. Just come and fill us up. So I just want you to focus your eyes on the Father right now. My big thing today was that each and every person would leave feeling encouraged this morning. God has something big for each and every one of us. God is raising you up into something. Something big. So just where you are right now, I just want you to 
just to say, repeat after me here, that God is with us. God is with us. God is with me. All right? God is with me. And I want you just to ask him right now, when we say the words, God is with me, do we believe it for ourselves? It's a word that we can find is so easy to believe for each and every one around us. Right? We can believe that word, God is with us for, for everybody around us, but it can be hard to believe that word for ourselves. That God is with me. That when I step out, I have the creator of the universe with me. When I'm going through those trials, God is with me. When I'm studying for those exams and I just want to throw in my book, God is with me.